young. Tyra, you guys we're tired of all your bitching out there. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. This is Tyra here and welcome to episode 10 of Kombucha Hour. I am literally so um, (laughs) surprised that I have made 10 episodes. I just usually used my podcast as a way just to kind of vent about how I was feeling. And it's crazy that so many of you guys have resonated with my podcast and said that my podcast was your most listened to podcast of 2020. That was absolutely crazy. So thank you for all the support and love. Today, I'm going to have my very, very first guest on my podcast, one of my very good friends, Jenna. We're going to be discussing Jewish vegans and the Holocaust comparisons that have been coming up in the mainstream vegan world. But before we get into that, I just wanted to get into the kombucha of the episode. The kombucha of the episode I found at Grocery Outlet. If you guys do not have a Grocery Outlet near you, that is very sad. But if you do have a Grocery Outlet, I definitely recommend checking it out. They always have really cheap vegan meat alternatives, cheeses, different kinds of things. And another thing that they always have is different kinds of kombucha for me to test out and review. So the kombucha of the episode today is the Better Booch Kombucha. It is Cherry Retreat is the name of the kombucha. And the accents are cherry, vanilla, and bearmont. I'm definitely probably not saying that right. (laughs) This is an organic sparkling probiotic tea. And it is USDA approved as organic. It has 30 calories, only 10% of your added sugar for the day, and is vegan, kosher, raw, gluten-free, non-alcoholic, and verified non-GMO. Let's get into the kombucha. It comes in a can, so you guys are going to get that ASMR instead of the bottle opening ASMR. So here we go. Oh! Oh my god. (laughs) That is the sound of the kombucha spilling all over me and all over my floor. So that is a very, very fun time. I'm going to be walking around smelling like raw kombucha. We love to see it. Ew, it does not smell good. I am not going to lie. I believe it was around $1.99 or $2.99 at Grocery Outlet. Now that I poured it into another jar, it doesn't smell that bad. Okay, wait, hold on. Let me taste it again. Okay, it's not like my favorite, but it also doesn't have like that super pungent kombucha taste that most kombuchas have. It kind of tastes like a healthier soda. Yeah, so anyway, if you guys want to check that out, it is by the Better Booch brand and I found them at Grocery Outlet. Let's get into my very first interview ever with Jenna and I hope you guys enjoy the episode. Hi! Jenna is a anti-oppression activist, an anti-capitalist, an anti-fascist, and an overall amazing person. She loves the sun. She loves gardening, collecting crystals, and baking and cooking. She is also a Jewish vegan and has been vegan for four years now. She is a former anonymous for the voiceless organizer. You can find her Instagram, J-E-N-N-A-E-A-R. T-H and her Twitter at Jenna Earthling, J-E-N-N-A-E-A-R-T-H-L-I-N-G. Let's get to the interview. 
Hi, Jenna. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me. Yes, you're my first guest. I'm very, very happy that it's you because I am super nervous with anyone else. So I'm happy that my first guest gets to be you because I'm like, oh no, I don't know what I'm doing. I feel so honored. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I decided that the very first thing I'm going to do um, whenever I have a guest on my show is ask them what their zodiac sign is. So what is your zodiac sign, Jenna? I am an Aquarius. A little bit weird, a little bit for my community. We love to see it. You know, like honestly, Aquariuses are my third favorite sign out of out of twelve, so that's not bad. That is not bad. That's pretty good on. Goes Taurus, Scorpio, Aquarius. So of course I, I put myself first though. <laughs> I am a Scorpio rising too, so shut up, dude. Are you really? <laughs> I really am. Two out of three. We love it. That's why I love you so much. Okay, so just to kind of get started before we get into all that heavy other shit, what is your vegan story and like how how did you go vegan? How long have you been vegan? That kind of stuff. So looking back, I think I had kind of some foreshadowing as a child going to the grocery store and just like learning where different animal products came from when I knew, like, for example, I grew up not drinking milk. I knew it came from a cow. I knew it was taken away from the babies. I like made that connection and was very aware of that and avoided milk. Then when I learned what veal was and where that came from at six years old, I like boycotted it from then on. But then there was a lot of within the school's brainwashing and everything. And over time, I kind of feel like my compassion was lost from me. Yeah. Um, when I was in high school, I had a friend who had a vegan friend who she introduced me to. And at that point, I was very much so in the mindset of like, mm, why would you be vegan? That's kind of weird. It doesn't really make any sense to me. I buy humane and organic. I was one of those. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> on my own, I kind of was just like, it was bugging me that I didn't know why. Like, I, I like didn't know why someone would go vegan. So it prompted me to do research. And for about five months, I just was like, looking up, what do people eat when they're vegan? Why would somebody go vegan? What happens to the animals? Um, what animal agriculture does to the environment? And over those five months, I had made the choice to lessen my use of animal products. And then at the end, I just didn't want to do it anymore. So then over a few weeks, I kind of cut things out to have my parents get used to me not eating animal products. Mm -hmm. From there, within the next year, I started finding out what animal rights was, and I found groups that were not super close to me, but at least in my state, and I started doing animal rights activism from there, and in November, I hit my four-year vegan anniversary. Oh, yay! <laughs> how, like, how does vegan change, like, your perspective on, like, your own personal identity, like, as a person? Like, do you think veganism really shaped any part of your personality or like how you interact or I know everybody always says like veganism you make it your personality so how do you how do you feel like that shaped your personality or identity well first off I've started photosynthesizing I'm just <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna have to teach me how to do that I've been waiting I haven't got that vegan power yet it's so cheap I don't buy any food the $36 vegan chili yes yes iconic classic timeless <laughs> so actually um it completely changed me so I was kind of are we allowed to curse on the podcast yes curse okay. away 
<laughs> I was a little shit in high school. Like, it's kind of a lot. I used to be conservative, which is very different from how I am now. And, you know, my town, I lived in a conservative town, hunting and fishing. Mm. Uh, my congregation uh, was very much so conservative, and they had conservative, like, congressmen come in. That's really all I knew. My close family members, almost all of them were conservative. And so I was just this very much like, I was climate change denier. I used a ton of single use plastic. I ate a ton of meat and I just didn't care about anything or anyone. I had the mentality of a conservative. It's about me, money. When I went vegan and started learning about animal rights, I was looking at Trump, who was the president at the time, 2016. Mm-hmm. And I was seeing these actions he was doing and these laws he was putting in place that were hurting the environment and the animals. Like there was one on like one area of the sea that is overfished and he took the ban away so that way they could fish in that mm-hmm. area. And learning about the fishing industry and how bad it is for the fish and the planet just like started questioning him and then started qu- questioning conservatives to the point where now I'm like, I'm an anti-fascist. I'm a leftist. <laughs> I want to tear down the entire government and the two-party system, <laughs> like a complete yes. 180. And I don't know if I would have gotten there without veganism opening my eyes up to compassion because I have always valued compassion as a person. I was a very compassionate kid. It allowed me to see that I could take that back for myself. Right. And you mentioned doing animal rights activists in Florida when you lived over there. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you feel like your activism has changed, like your advocacy has changed from back when you were in Florida versus like who you are now living in like Portland and stuff? Like, what do you think that your activism and how you spread veganism has changed a lot? Oh yeah, for sure. I was, I feel like, like a lot of people who have been activists for a while or vegan for a while is I was the angry vegan Mm -hmm. and the people who I had to look up to were were like these big activists who I'm sure we'll probably talk about in this podcast yes yes (laughs) and (laughs) there's a lot to say and PETA and just all these angry militant, which there's nothing wrong with being militant, but these angry white, mostly male vegans who uh, spread their message in a way that's very single issue and kind of harms, not kind of, definitely harms a lot of other groups. And so I went from being a conservative while starting activism, seeing all of these people who are all probably conservatives, learning their ways of activism to over time, I started broadening who I was listening to, that being marginalized groups of people within the vegan community, hearing what they had to say. And my activism has completely changed. Totally would not have imagined this. Yeah, I think we all kind of start off as like an angry vegan. I definitely was. I remember just how like the way I would just come at people sometimes was just so out of pocket. And I don't think it really stemmed from hatred from them. I think it was more of hatred for the whole animal agriculture community or or I guess industry and not being able to really like you know go up to the manager of Tyson or the CEO of Tyson and taking it out on him or them or her or whatever I couldn't do that so it was easier to take it out on like meat eaters and have like that just anger and I think every vegan probably goes through a time period like that so it's really interesting to look up how like things have changed over time for people's advocacy and it's crazy when you really think about it (laughs) I remember you telling me something about you were working for anonymous for the voiceless too and I kind of want to talk about that perspective because I know a lot of people still are really into AV so I just kind of wanted to see your experience working for them and 
how that was for you. Oh yeah, we're gonna we're getting into some some spicy territories. This oh yeah, you them. you already knew. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, we'll start out with your zodiac sign, and then bam, why do you stop working for AV, Jenna? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, I have a bit of history with a few different organizations, but mainly Anonymous for the Voiceless, also known as AV. I was a volunteer with them for about a year before I became an organizer and then organized and volunteered for another year. I started up a chapter in my small conservative town. And I think the thing about AV that was very frustrating is they kind of put out like this, we're a family, we will help you. We have lots of money. We will for sure help you. I was a teenager at the time starting this. You know, I'm not making much money. I'm making pretty much minimum wage. And I had to basically fund my own chapter. If it weren't for the kindness of my friends who had some resources, Mm -hmm. and them driving out to my small town, I would not have been able to hold cubes as long as I did. And I ended up having to, uh, without the help from the higher ups, I had to close my chapter. And I started helping at a chapter that was about an hour away in a more populated city. And I was like a co-organizer, but I'm, I pretty much organized it, showed up there, handed out all the supplies, stayed there until it was done. Was very, I was very well versed in. So, like, what is like a organizer versus like someone who just participates in like a cube or something? So, what it looks like for an organizer is you have to be in the Facebook groups, but you have to know how to edit like the event itself, and you put the event up, and then you kind of have to invite people and try to see who you can get to go, and then you have to make sure. You, you have enough people going, then you have to pe- keep people updated, whether you're like running late or if you're there, you have to make sure you have the supplies, which are like signs, masks, TV, iPads, whatever it may be. all of those are provided for you or donated no. or how you pay for those yourself? I got really lucky. My friend had four iPads from a school that her dad worked at and it was like a private school and those were old iPads. So she gifted them to me. Mm -hmm. Um, but I had to buy the masks, which by the way, are totally from an unethical place and they have us all buy them Mm -hmm. because they're all from China. But yeah, (laughs) yeah, I had to buy that. I know other chapters had crowdfunded, like buying the TVs and the harnesses for the TVs and speakers. And mine was a very cheap chapter. Um, I maybe spent about 50 to a hundred dollars on it within the four months I was there. I never got reimbursed. That was not something that a lot of organizers get. You spend your own money on it. That's really interesting to me because I was just listening to Aya and um, Queer Bound Vegan on their live and they were saying that vegan organizations get like the most funding out of like any organizations. So it's really weird to me how you would how someone would ever have to pay for their own supplies for their own cube. I can understand like volunteering, you know, like your time to like do those like Facebook stuff. And like, I can understand that to an extent, but I cannot understand having to pay with your own money for an organization that gets so much money, like from what I have seen. So that's, that's really actually bizarre. And I did not know that. And that makes me even more angry so what what do you think was like the biggest reasons that you left them as a lot of people know some a lot of people don't know though I started seeing some things some not so great things come out from AV from the head of AV like whether it was Paul and Asal or team leaders like social media managers I saw transphobic things 
Um, mm. There was a lot of talk about, in quotes, if you're coming to a cube, we don't have to address you by your pronouns because all we need to know is your name. And that was the first thing I saw. I thought that was entirely disrespectful. I have yeah. trans friends, non-binary friends, and that really bothered me. Volunteers and the organizers are the reason these things run. They deserve the utmost respect. Right. It takes nothing to address someone from the pronouns that they identify with. This is something that team leaders would say. And what is also a team leader versus an organizer? You have the volunteers and then you have the organizers and then you have the regional organizers, which are the people that would be above the organizers in each. So in the United States, we had one for the East Coast and then I think there's one for the West Coast. Okay. And they kind of just deal with any problems that come up or like any questions that you have. And at some point I got put in a chat with Paul and Asal and the regional organizer, which I gladly left them a quitting message before I left. Yeah, I've seen Paul and um, Asal and that's a whole nother topic. But <laughs> that's really interesting to me also that it would even be such a big deal just to like do like the bare minimum of respecting someone's pronouns. Like I just feel like that is like the bare minimum and why it would be even a big deal is really bizarre to me. It got worse. What else happened? Give so me the thesis. <laughs> I started acquiring a list because I was like, okay, this isn't cool. So it was that. And then after that, there were a few women, women within the movement, sp mm -hmm. particularly within AV that were coming forward with their situations with their experiences with sexual assault, sexual abuse, sexual harassment within the community and coming forward about like sharing their experiences with organizers that were sexually harassing and assaulting them. Paul and Assault's response to that was completely disrespectful, unattentive. They dismissed it and basically were like, unless you can get evidence and bring it to a court and prove it, we're not going to do anything about this organizer. And it was a few women that came forward about him. That was appalling to me. And I think that there were, there might've been a few more things, but that was the last straw. Mm. Um, I had started posting about AV even while I was still with them because I had, I had friends that were organizers as well and volunteers in Florida. And I didn't want to lose that sense of community. Yeah. And I thought that they would be understanding of that. I'm very vocal when I see like wrongdoing. And yeah. so I quit. I AV, I sent them a message. The regional organizer was, she was very dismissive. She was like, that's not what Paul and Assal stand for. And I'm like, this is said quote from Paul and Assal. This came from their mouths. They did not own up to it at, at all. Then after I left, I started really posting about AV. Mm -hmm. And there was, I'm going to just, can I, can I, am I allowed to name drop? Is that okay? Yeah, definitely. Okay, cool. Cool. So I've been sitting on this for um way over a year but yeah there... I know we've been talking about doing this actual episode for a while now and I can't think of a more perfect time than this the moment time. Yeah. so any anything you have to say just air it out in your beautiful oh. little soul whatever you have to say <laughs> this is a safe place say what you have to say and everybody's gonna be supportive for you I promise so go ahead okay sweet so yeah, this happened probably over a year ago at this, yeah, well over a year ago when I left. He's like a middle-aged man named Juan, who was one of the organizers for AV Miami. I was very supportive of his cubes. 
he started organizing after I did. I attended almost every single one of his cubes, helped him set up. I'd get there early. I'd carry all the, the heavy TVs from his car and walk a few blocks with him. They're so tiny. <laughs> I am so, they're heavy. Yeah, they're I'm like, so what? Heavy, both on my shoulder, walking, like hobbling like this, but <laughs> we knew each other. We did activism all together, all, all the time together. After I started posting on Instagram, he sent me a very nasty DM calling me a horrible activist. I'm betraying the animals. Why am I doing this? I'm betraying the community. And to me, it just didn't make any sense because we have the materials that were self-funded. We have each other. Why do we need AV? We could do our own thing. We literally don't need AV. I do not stand for what they represent. Morally, I cannot stand with that as someone who is preaching anti-oppression. I literally cannot stand for them. He was just really nasty to me. It got worse. In the group chat with me and about 10 other organizers who were all my friends, they were like my second family, he decided that it was okay to put me on blast in the group chat and just call me out. And we went back and forth. And I am very hard-headed. If you come across me the wrong way purposefully, I do not hold back. I will serve you your ass. I don't care. <laughs> I'll put it on a platter for you and season it. No, but like I came back at him and I was so appalled that besides one person who I still very much so love and appreciate, besides one person in that chat, nobody said a word. Nobody stood up for me. No one stood by my side. Everyone just let that happen. And everyone read it and like kept texting things and like moving past that. And I'm just like, this is like a 40 year old man. I am literally like 19 years old. What the fuck? What was some of the things that he was saying in this group chat? If you don't mind sharing that. I think my brain has blocked a lot of it out and I deleted most of it after I like moved away from Florida because I did not want to keep that energy. But it was a lot of the same, like you're betraying the community. I don't know why you would want to do this you're 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 hurting us you're you're being selfish oh and then of course commenting on my age like you know you're young maybe you'll learn maybe you'll grow up all because you were standing with sexual assault victims and respecting pronouns and mm -hmm. you are just being an overall decent person he thinks mm -hmm. that when you grow up you're going to turn into a piece of shit like him so that's interesting <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, that's not how that works. We usually get better as people, not worse. So that's actually terrible. I'm really sorry. And the fact that your brain even had to block things out tells me a lot and should tell a lot of people that and the fact that those things aren't taken seriously especially higher up and there's no protection for you in those situations I think that that's very telling of the organization as a whole and this definitely needs to be said to protect you know other people and other especially minors that are going to be going into these cubes and spaces and when you have like that family dynamic I know I've been talking to a lot of activists that have been saying, you know, that worked with like DXE and like AV and like, you know, they treat you like a family and we're all together. And then the second something happens to you, it's usually sexual assault. It's usually some kind of transphobic, homophobic, racist act. Everybody turns against you. And I just think mm -hmm. that that's such a common thing and it's not protected and it's so wrong. And I'm so sorry though that you had to experience that. Thanks. I really appreciate that. It's exactly what you said. That's right on the mark. Is there anything else you want to share about AV or we can totally leave them behind? Or if there's something left on your tongue that you would like to say about them, go ahead. Just to add on to Juan's character, I suppose, um, when Alex Bez was getting called out, which sidetracked for just a second, 
when men get called out for sexual assault anywhere, but also in the vegan movement, they love calling it a witch hunt. And it's like, mm. no, 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 no. A witch, witch hunt. You mean when, when men called women witches for literally no reason and then murdered them? Right. You don't get to turn that on us. <laughs> on Facebook, when Alex Bez was getting called out and Alex who, Bez was who denying was that, it. By the way, sorry. Amazing vegan outreach. Who Juan actually worked with Alex when he came to Miami, and I did mm-hmm. go to that seminar. I was on Alex Bez's post mm-hmm. defending the woman who came forward right. and calling out his behavior and calling out like rape apologists in the chat. And Juan took it upon himself to fight with me in that comment section. And just like, again, it was more of the same, like saying really nasty things to me, acting like I don't know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, okay, so I know what you stand for now. Um, anyways, his name is Juan. <laughs> he lives in the Miami area. That's it. That's that. <laughs> Watch out, ladies. And Stay far away from him. Yes, definitely. Thank you for sharing that. That is just disgusting. And I'm a not surprised but I am appalled and I'm upset (laughs) and if it's if I ever see him it's on site (laughs) I wanted to transition into talking about you know you being Jewish you being a vegan that's also Jewish and right now in the community we are seeing a lot of debate about Jewish vegans and the Holocaust comparison and you know people kind of being dismissive of your guys's perspective and I think that's very odd considering you guys are the direct victims of this kind of um, call out and words so I wanted to kind of transition into you and kind of discuss your Jewish heritage things that are important to you about being Jewish whatever you want to talk about you have the floor go ahead okay cool so I guess a little background on my Jewish heritage my entire family is Jewish. I'm 100% European Ashkenazi Jew. Mm-hmm. I do have Holocaust victims and survivors in my family tree. Um, it definitely hits very close, close to home to me. Have been at the receiving end of a lot of anti-Semitism, especially in school. Um, I'm very familiar with what anti-Semitism looks like and what it feels like. And, you know, I grew up going to Chabad. I was there like every single week for services. I was at all of the holidays. I went to Hebrew school. I had a bat mitzvah. Very familiar with that community. I love my Jewish heritage. It took me very long to get to this place and I'm still working on it and learning more and more. But It is something I'm really proud of. I'm like 2% of the United States population and even less for the world. I think that that's really cool. Yeah. Um, That's, I guess, a little bit of um, my background being Jewish. So do you think that veganism kind of aligns at all with like Jewish beliefs or anything like that? Do you think that there's like a correlation that more Jewish people kind of connect to with their heritage and beliefs that would kind of align with veganism? I think it totally does. Mainly just because like we know what it's like to be the outcast, to be ignored and not listened to. What I learned growing up in Chabad was like a lot of just preaching about being kind to others and you know doing what you can to be kind. Even though I don't align with um, this part, I do think it ties into my current beliefs which is a lot of Jewish people follow a kosher diet And when I was learning about that in Hebrew school, what stuck out to me was we were told, which I don't believe this to be true now, but we were told that animals were slaughtered the humane way. We try to do everything as kind as we can. Obviously now I don't believe that I need to eat animals to survive. So I avoid that. But I think that the lesson is still there. Mm -hmm. If I can choose a kinder way, I will. And I think that that is something 
that can align. So if I don't have to eat animals, the most humane way to treat an animal is to leave them alone. Right. What's it like to be Jewish in the vegan community, especially in America? (laughs) Because that is such a unique perspective. And since you guys, like you said, are only about 2% of the population, I think that your perspective is super rare. And so I definitely want to know what that's like. Oh, in general, being a Jewish in America is very scary. It's not fun to have kind of a target on your head and adding being vegan on top of it only puts more of a target. No one really likes listening to vegan, but it's pretty scary because, you know, we have a lot of neo-Nazis walking around the United States. A lot of people that I would consider to be part of the KKK or white supremacists and white supremacists, just like they don't like black people, gay people, disabled people, they hate Jewish people. Right. Yeah. You know, there's lots of anti-Semitic attacks on Hanukkah. There was an anti-Semitic attack almost every single night. At the Capitol riots, there were vegans there and non-vegans alike, and there were people wearing, like, Camp Auschwitz sweaters. Mm. And there's people that will stand outside of synagogues yelling, six million more. So there's only six million Jews in the United States. Mm -hmm. Six million Jews were murdered in the Holocaust. So that is very frightening because that would be every single Jewish person in the United States. Right. You go vegan, you think everybody is going to be kind and understanding of different oppressions. But you have these huge white vegan male activists who don't care to listen to any marginalized groups within the community about what it is like existing as a part of that marginalized group. And so they tokenize lots of different people's oppressions to use it for their own activism. And so when you're already a person who is ignored by the mainstream public and you add in the oppression of the animals and someone who's really passionate about that, Mm-hmm. It just feels like you are being ignored by every single person you could be. Um, I'm interested to know, like, how do you think the Jewish community that's not vegan views vegans as a whole? This is a whole ass hot take. So <laughs> I actually posted in a Jewish group today, a DM I got from a animal rights activist in Florida. I sent you, I sent you the, that DM earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. he was really condescending and just telling me like there was so many like falsities within his statement about like I went vegan because Gary Yarofsky compared it to a holocaust on live tv 10 years ago and Mm. it turned most of Israel vegan I'm sorry actually only about maybe 10 percent of is the is of Israel's population is vegan. So that's not most. It's a very small percentage of the population. And regardless, I found out about veganism through Ellen Fisher and Mm -hmm. her and her husband are conservatives and I don't watch them anymore and I don't like them. They're still part of my vegan journey, but I don't tell people to go watch their stuff anymore. So Gary Orofsky, I used to watch him too. I think he's an awful person and I don't promote him at all. Long story short, I posted his DM in this Jewish group Um, There were a few Jewish vegans in there, but not many. And Mm -hmm. the response that I've seen for this particular instance was that they, like, in their words, this guy's a moron. Mm -hmm. Um, This is disrespectful. This is ignorant. This is insensitive. And then if I look at my own situation, watching these white male vegans tell me how I should do my activism when I first started, I pushed away my entire, you know, congregation of people that maybe I could have helped on the path to go vegan because I was so adamant about using these words that were so unnecessary to use that Mm -hmm. trigger a lot of hurt in people. And then the last example I'll draw is 
Do you know the holiday Kapuros? I'm not super educated, but I know like the bare minimum. of it. I'll like just really simply explain it, but it's one of the many Jewish holidays and it's about the atonement of our sins. Mm-hmm. And I think in Judaism with a lot of, as a lot of other cultures do, there's very traditional cultural things that are done that are symbolic. Mm-hmm. Um, and so one thing that Jewish people do is not all Jews, but it is a common practice is they'll take a chicken, swing them over their head and move their sins to the chicken. And then they slaughter and eat the chicken. And not all Jewish people do it. Some people use money instead. And I actually never celebrated Kapuros and I didn't even know what it was until I became vegan. But the way non-Jewish vegans handle protesting this holiday pushes so many Jewish people away from veganism. And I think this Mm. year it hit me really hard when I started becoming more proud of my heritage again. But they go to these celebrations, they stand across the street from Jewish people and they yell at them. You know, this is with anybody, but in psychology, if you are standing face to face to someone, it feels confrontational. And that person is not gonna listen to what you have to say. Add in the fact that you are speaking to a marginalized group who is consistently told that they people want them to be murdered and killed. Mm-hmm. Why do you think they're going to listen to you? Because they're just going to think that you are there to cause them harm. And so they're not going to want to listen to you. And I've tried getting this message to some of these activists that are so bent on using the terms Holocaust and triggering Jewish people and not listening to Jewish people you are not going to get them to go vegan. You are going to push them further away. I don't know if I would call this a theory, but I think it's just something that I've been thinking about. If their goal is to have people go vegan and that's their whole thing and they want to turn more people vegan, like why do they feel so like attached to this word? Because I think I've been talking about this a lot on Twitter and a lot on Instagram. Like Animals do not care what words you use to describe their oppression. They just don't want to be oppressed. So animals don't give a fuck. Like, what <laughs> word do you use? They just don't want to be killed. It's you that gives a fuck about it. And so to me, it's like, if I had the choice, do I trigger an entire group of people that I care about and I don't want to be oppressed? Do I trigger them by using these words Or do I find other words that are just as impactful and just as powerful to describe what animals go through to make Jewish people happy? And I mean, it's not even just making them happy. It's just respecting their fucking like bare minimum request of not, you know, triggering them with these words. I feel, I feel like it's like common sense. It's the most logical thing to do is to not use it. If you want, if your goal is to also create vegans, like why would you further alienate Jewish people? That just like makes no sense. It feels like a white supremacy way of I mean, it doesn't feel like it. It is. It's like a white supremacy way of advocating for veganism that we're going to ignore oppressed people and we don't give a fuck about your opinion. And if you don't want to go vegan, fine. Like, And I saw James Askey, um, he was talking, talking to someone in the comment section and it was some, and it was like about the Holocaust comparison thing. And it was someone that said, um, the whole, and, and I'm paraphrasing, I don't, this isn't exactly what this person said or exactly what James said, but he was like, oh, the Holocaust comparison is what helped me go vegetarian. 
And I was like, James is all about saying, if you are a meat eater, basically you're a Nazi, you are just like this terrible person, you know, but because this person said that the Holocaust was the reason they did something and they're defending you, now all of a sudden you don't care about the fact that they're just vegetarian and not vegan. He didn't say, oh, well, you should be vegan. He just said, great, like, awesome, cool. Like, and like that blew my mind because I'm like, if your goal is to create vegans and this person's telling you that they're only vegetarian, you would tear that person to fucking shreds normally, not me, but him. So I'm like, it's so crazy how they are so attached to these words that have nothing to do with their own identity. It's crazy to me. I feel like it's just this big ego thing. It's like they can't let it go because it's going to harm their little fucking fragile ass white ass ego (laughs) and it's so irritating to me and it is so awful to think about the fact that people are going to continuously do this and scare Jewish people for no reason like absolutely no reason and it's awful I think I kind of asked a version of this question but how has the vegan community treated you as like Jewish I kind of asked you how America has treated you and especially like as being vegan and Jewish but how has the vegan community specifically treated you in your Jewish heritage? There is a lot of ignorance and lack of education within the community which a huge part of that is the people that are up above and showing people you know down here how we need to do activism and because they're not advocating for being completely anti-oppression there's a lot of people that don't know how to do that and don't think to research it themselves when i talk about my jewish heritage like or even show a video of like for example on on hanukkah i was showing a video of the menorah and then Mm -hmm. a tv show i was watching and i got a dm we talked it out and they they came to terms with how what they were saying was very anti-semitic but i had a dm that was like oh i love that show sidebar what are your thoughts on Israel and Palestine after just finding out that I'm Jewish? And yeah. like that's a very common thing. Um, telling me I don't know what I'm talking about or I don't have a place speaking on the Holocaust comparisons, which is like, uh, excuse me? I, yeah. I am Jewish. I have Holocaust survivors and victims in my family. I am Jewish. Right. That's really it for me to be able to speak on that. You are not Jewish. There's a lot of silencing, ignoring. I will post some things about anti-Semitism or even like within the vegan community, whether it's on my Instagram story or Twitter. And I have my close circle of people, you being one of them, and I'm super thankful for you being there. But there's only a few people that'll like retweet or put it on their story or then share a post that I shared, but it never goes further than that. And there's never a decent amount of support and understanding. And I just wish that there would be more self-motivation with education. I've also been asked a lot like to give up my emotional labor and teach people essentially, which that bothers me. I'm busy. I work full time. I do things that I want to do. I don't want to be spending two hours a day to educate a person. Right. Definitely. And in these past few weeks, Jewish vegans have just definitely been the target. Um, especially last week, it just with all of this Holocaust comparison and James Asby and that vegan couple and, um, all these other vegan, like fully raw Christina and all of (laughs) the issues of all of them kind of supporting this Holocaust comparison with animals and just completely ignoring your guys' perspective. And I think you brought up a really good point about emotional labor. I have definitely been on the receiving end of 
or I guess the giving end of giving emotional labor for free. And I think that that's something that I have an issue with doing. I just continuously give like, I just like give and give and give. And it's like, okay, well, like I have two jobs, like I have two businesses, like I'm doing all this shit and I'm like giving you guys my emotional labor just for you to shit on me at the end of the day. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm interested to also know, like, how do you, I mean, I, I already know how you feel, but just for people who are, don't know you, how do you feel or what does it invoke when you hear these Holocaust comparisons? So I guess to bring it back to the activist I used to be, I, at the start of my activism journey, kind of gave people a Holocaust pass. You can't really do that. I don't believe that that's a thing that you can actually do but i used to do it i recently went through my tweets and deleted old tweets of me saying no i i agree with the comparison i think it's okay and i think that that came from a place of really just being guilted and manipulated these big activists then i'm sure that you can relate because they do the same thing with the whole topic of slavery Mm -hmm. but if you are against using that they will put on you you're betraying the animals, you're turning your back on them. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't care, you're a fake activist. Right. And so definitely. that really, that hit me hard. I saw that happening to other people and I didn't want that to happen to me because I care about animals and don't want them to be going through what they're currently going through. So when I first became an activist, I feel like I totally turned my back on my people when it is so easy for me to do both. Right. And now I'm, I don't understand why other people can't do both as well or do do it all because it takes nothing from you to not speak harmfully and hurt other people. Now, it really upsets me seeing it. I think it always has, but now I'm vocal about it. Mm-hmm. It upsets me seeing those comparisons and especially from non-Jewish people. Mm-hmm. I think that that is totally up to Jewish people. If we want to use that comparison or draw comparisons, we have every right to do that. But when you are a non-Jewish person, you have no right to use that. If someone gives you a Holocaust pass, Mm -hmm. you can't take it because you are not Jewish. You cannot use that comparison if you are not Jewish. And like I saw on James Aspie's Facebook, I went through there and screenshotted a few things and tweeted it. But he made a long post and was like, I've been researching this for years. I've made my decision. It was never his decision. Right. Like, James, that was never your decision to be able to take something that tokenizes a a group of people's oppression to use for your own advantage. And I'm going to add something on there because I know it's going to hurt his ego. But when it comes to my best friend, Marika pointed this out to me, but she was saying there's something in common with pro-lifers and single issue white male vegan activists or animal rights activists in general, which is the thing you're advocating for cannot correct you. A fetus can't correct you. An animal can't correct you in your activism. It's easy to advocate for those things because they cannot correct you. Once you have marginalized groups of people saying, can you not use that word? It really affects and triggers me and my people. Mm -hmm. No, 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 no. Now you are criticizing me and I can't do that. I am doing this because, and I believe this, but most of the activists we have do this to make themselves feel better about themselves. It's an ego thing. They're virtue signaling. It is so incredibly easy to advocate 
for someone or something that cannot correct you, but then you add in all these other things and they don't want to be corrected. They want to know that they're doing what's right. Definitely. Like, just like what I was saying earlier, I definitely think it's an ego thing. You totally can't let it go. You can't listen to any other perspective. And I was arguing with that vegan couple because I am not Jewish, obviously. So I feel like if I see anti-Semitic comments, I'm going to actively call it out. I'll argue against it all day long. I don't care how long it takes. Like we love to see I, it. <laughs> I'm like, I will put in the work. Like this is my responsibility. Like I will definitely take that. And they just completely stopped responding to me when I said that Jesus. you're not doing this for the animals. You were doing this for your own ego. Period. Because you, if you were doing it for the, the animals can't correct you. They didn't tell you you have to use this Holocaust comparison. You're doing this for you. And mm-hmm. after I said that, they just completely stopped responding. They started responding to other people other than me. And I was like, bitch, post up. Like, <laughs> if you have something to say, say it to my face. But they just like completely stopped responding. This triggered a memory. Can I add it? Yes, definitely. Okay. Go ahead. So that vegan couple actually got me into activism because they were doing a tour as you know a rich white vegan would Mm -hmm. um and that's how I found out about activism in my state so I went I met them they're pretty nice but I realized something they eventually followed me back and I was posting a lot of different activism things it was very convenient and specific when they would share my things and actually this was a common thing but when I was oh this is gonna get me a little bit heated This was before I decided I'm not going to turn my back on my people anymore. But when I would make a video um, about a Jewish holiday and talk about my perspective and that it's not like, for example, I made one on Kapros, I made one about Passover and about the usage of animals. I was totally used by several different vegan white animal rights activists, non-Jewish animal rights activists. They, I had gotten so many shares on those videos, even though I was doing other videos. Um, and it felt like my words were being used against me. And I think you've talked about this before with mm-hmm. tweets that you have made. They use it for their own purpose. And then they try to say, no, we support the Jewish community. No, you don't. And Natasha and Luca, that being couple, were, they were part of that. They shared my videos talking about, you know, Passover and how I don't like the usage of animals on that. Because... What they love to do and what all these big activists love to do is they love to cherry pick and find people. I think Mm -hmm. it's kind of a way that they can still be the white supremacists they are and hate on these marginalized groups under the guise of helping animals. And I don't like that. I can definitely attest to that. I have been during my like angry activist phase and I remember just holocaust like comparisons were just the norm like everybody used it like Gary Roski used it James Aspie used it it was just the animal holocaust everywhere everywhere in the animal rights community I just remember just repeating these things that like I thought everybody knew and I thought that this was okay and it's like disgusting when I really think about that and this thing what happened to me that I would feel like I was turning my back on other black people when I would like and I I still feel like I will draw comparisons to my own personal oppression in animals and I have every right to do that but I started to see like as I would tweet about this my own personal thoughts comparing the two which I am in my right to do but I would start to see white vegans that specifically would only 
use that. <laughs> Only yeah. use those tweets and they would use those tweets to attack other black people. And I was like, well, that's not why I tweeted that. <laughs> but I didn't want to be like, oh, like this is about the animals. Like if I were to say anything, it'd be like, no, this is about animals. Like, why are you making it about yourselves? And I was like, is that selfish? And I had such an internalized, like, what am I doing? Like, is this right? Do I feel this? I love animals. I would do anything for them. But it's like, am I, every time I feel like I'm arguing with someone that's black, I feel like I'm turning my back on them by saying like, well, you're black. You should know that like slavery is wrong and like blah, blah, blah. I'm like, why am I doing this? Like, but I had been so hyped up to like that this was right and it felt, and I knew it was wrong. So I definitely can relate to feeling like you're turning your back on the, you know, your own ancestors and your own people like it it's a really weird feeling and I'm definitely glad that I found a way to advocate for animals that I don't feel uncomfortable doing and I feel like that feels really good (laughs) and I'm really glad that we were able to find that as well and I hope that us sharing our perspectives here will also allow other people to not have to go through this huge realization and just realize that you don't have to turn your back on your people and what you believe in, in your religion, in your culture, in order to be vegan and advocate for animals. Yeah, I think that that is super relatable. And as you were talking, it reminded me, like, when I was in that phase of, like, yeah, Holocaust this, Holocaust that, I was also, you know, we're fed all of the oppressive things to be said in these comparisons. And I am so obviously disgusted now but like I look back on myself like almost two years ago and if I were if I were speaking to black people at at a cube or like talking one-on-one with a black person Mm -hmm. I would to their face make a slavery comparison and I now like you know being more educated and really trying my best to be you know an ally to the black community um I cannot imagine what that must have felt like because it just is like so disrespectful. And I, looking back at it, I was not at the time an ally to the black community. I wasn't trying to be, but I thought I was mm-hmm. by using that comparison. I thought it was for their best interest. Right. And no, I was, that was manipulative. And I see that it is so, that's such a manipulative tactic. It's ignorant, it's disrespectful. Mm-hmm. And so I think that I'm glad that we're at a point where we can share these experiences because I think talking to different marginalized groups, we all are finding similarities within the movement and we could maybe one day move past it. Yeah. And I think that also just comes from not being around other marginalized people, especially like maybe in your example, like the only way you kind of felt like you knew how to talk to black people at that point was to make slavery comparisons. And I never really talk to Jewish people, but I can maybe say that maybe I would have done the same thing in that situation. And I think that it just comes from not branching out and like talking to other people of different cultures and perspectives. And I think that that's something that's really important. And I think maybe if James Aspie, you know, talked to a black person besides yelling at them on the streets about going vegan, like maybe if you sat down and actually had a conversation with someone, I still don't think he would change. But I think that it would help. (laughs) At least you would know. And a question that I want to ask also is what would you tell someone who's kind of stuck on using these comparisons? They are kind of like, I'm not going to change. This is what I'm going to continuously do. If you could speak to them, like, what would you say? Probably say something like, and you can be like rated R, like that's fine. (laughs) If, If it's anger, if it's 
whatever like that's totally fine like how would that make you feel like if they just straight up told you like I'm not gonna change and like fuck your perspective pretty much oh well yeah I mean because there's the productive answer or like trying to be and then there's the fuck you answer right. um <laughs> it like honestly depends most of the people I've talked to have not been open to changing or listening most mm. of my dms look and sound something like I'm sorry your brain is so small and I'm <laughs> sorry you can't understand the simple concept of you can use other words there are more words than this one word that you are continuing to use um I mean again I it's it's definitely an ego thing it's like why do you feel like you need to use this what is this accomplishing what do you see when you use this word who told you you have to use this word? I just mm. really wish that these people could sit there and unravel this programming that's been put onto them by these people. Um, but a lot of them won't change. A lot of them are white supremacists and they do animal rights activism to make themselves feel good about themselves. Definitely. So that's that. You brought up kind of giving the Jewish card or Holocaust <laughs> card away. And I think that that's something that I don't want to let go of. How do you feel about when other Jewish people kind of give, especially white people, um, but any non-Jewish person, how do you feel when they kind of give that Holocaust pass away to other people? On one hand, I'm really frustrated. But on the other hand, I there is understanding. I understand where that comes from because I was there. Mm -hmm. I have no idea what's going on in their personal life or on social media but I know being a person that was there as I know at that time I felt like I had to otherwise I was betraying the animals these yeah. people might be new activists and so I think a productive conversation or like trying to have a productive conversation with them is probably what I'm going to try to do but it is also really frustrating and I feel like I don't owe them that time because I mm. think that if you are Jewish you can make the comparisons you can draw that. But I'm going to get a little controversial here. It's kind of like pick me mentality mm. a little bit. Me yeah. giving that right to a non-Jewish white person to use the Holocaust comparison is kind of like, um, accept me, accept me into your community. I know you guys yeah. hate Jewish people and literally don't care about my existence, but accept me. It's that wanting to be accepted so bad. Jewish people are not accepted in almost any community. So uh, to have a community that preaches compassion, I think that we are very easily like manipulated and formed into the version of people that non-Jewish activists want. I think it's similar, um, obviously not the same, but it's similar to when black people will kind of give like you can say the n-word like it's fine like I don't care like you're white that's fine say the n-word it doesn't bother me and it's like you can't just give that word away but I understand right. being bullied like my entire life especially about being black and racism all of that and just I never was one of those people that was like I don't care if you say the n-word that was never me but I definitely understand that perspective just being bullied for being black my whole life I wanted to be accepted especially in vegan twitter world I was like this is a community that like likes me and likes what I'm saying and I'm getting all this traction on my tweets and it's like I want to be accepted like this is the first time I've ever felt accepted in my entire life and so yeah. if I have to betray some people if I have to just I mean it's sad but it's like I just want a little bit of like acceptance and if somebody would just say like hey you don't have to do this you don't have to give away part of 
how you feel in order to be accepted into the community, I feel like that would be so much stronger than saying if you don't portray your own community, you're definitely not going to fit in here. And so I can relate to that in a sense. It's definitely not the same thing. I definitely think just seeing the word animal holocaust everywhere in the vegan space is must just be awful and I saw this trend where people are like I guess doing that black and white photos have you seen that where they're like holding up a sign that says like um stop supporting like the animal holocaust or something I have yeah. seen that. Yeah. There was one guy with his abs or whatever. I'm like, yeah. what are you doing? And I'm like, this is one, it's so cringe and it looks so stupid and you're just doing it to be a piece of shit. Like, you're yeah. not doing that for the animals. What fucking animal is on fucking Instagram scrolling through your Instagram? Like, that doesn't make sense. It's really hard and I really hope that in the future we can find a way to phase these people out. But I definitely think it's going to take some time for sure. Oh yeah, and I totally relate to a lot of what you were saying. I I do really love when you, you know, kind of find, I guess, similarities and talk on your experience too, because I think it, it really brings a lot of light to a lot of the similarities of the struggles people are going through. Mm-hmm. Like specifically the bullying, um, just to, I guess, touch on what that looked like as a Jewish person in the United States. Mm-hmm. And like, I do somewhat feel kind of lucky. I'm not an Orthodox Jew which is so awful. But the more, I guess, Jewish, in quotes, you look to society, the more people are outwardly hateful on you. Mm -hmm. Um, Because if you are not wearing, I guess, the attire or having your hair like what an Orthodox Jew looks like, which is what what society identifies a Jewish person to look like, Mm -hmm. um, because Jewish people can look like anything. So if a white supremacist sees a Jewish person, they're going to hate on them. But I think because I guess I basically, let me just get into it. All throughout school, there was a lot of bullying, a lot of Holocaust remarks, even like beginning in elementary school. Uh, in middle school and high school, when we learned about the Holocaust by multiple teachers, the teacher looked me dead in the eyes and was like, Hitler wouldn't kill you because you have light hair and light eyes. Yeah, and I, I saw had that to on your TikTok. I was like, what? Yeah. I had to sit there and explain to this teacher that I am Jewish and I actually would have been killed and I had ancestors that were killed in that. Mm-hmm. Um and I had to sit there while the rest of the class thought that was hilarious and started laughing. I had in high school a kid behind me start throwing pennies at me. Um and I ended up getting in trouble for getting too loud in class instead of mm-hmm. him for throwing pennies at me. When I was a young teenager, I would play Minecraft on Xbox and I would get on to these chat rooms with these teenage boys. And the second they found out I was Jewish, the immediate comment was, oh, let's throw you in an oven. Let's put you in a gas chamber. Like really disgusting, awful things. Comments about my appearance, my nose. Even recently, I actually lost two friends uh, in my circle who were both vegan and even marching with like Black Lives Matter and like basically calling themselves intersectional activists or like trying to be. Mm-hmm. And I remember one night I was talking about anti-Semitism, particularly with Shane Dawson. It was that whole thing. And I was trying to bring up like this man literally dressed up as Hitler for a skit and Nazis. Mm-hmm. And no one was no one was like really calling it out. And so I was explaining anti-Semitism, how it um literally brought me to a point that I almost didn't come back from as like a 11 12 year old 
And five minutes later, one of one of the ex-friends made a joke. We were talking about how we don't really like Thanksgiving and how my first vegan Thanksgiving, my mom wanted a turkey and she said, let's just throw your mom in the oven. I tried to explain to her that that is not okay and not even a joke or comedy. And for a while she was like, well, you know, Are these people white? Are they I like- think that- I think that she was Latinx and I think the guy was white, but okay. she um, didn't get it and was like fighting back really hard. Like you can't, it, a lot of people are really offended when you're like, I really wouldn't have cared. I really would have been able to move past if I was like, that was like kind of anti-Semitic. I am so sorry. Uh, I was not aware that that was, that was a really, that wasn't even a joke, but that was really awful. I'll mm-hmm. make sure I don't say that again. Right. Could have moved past it. It was a week of my friend talking to her and trying to like, work it out, figure it out. And she just didn't come to that conclusion. Her apologies she was giving me were very fake and forced. So moved past her. And then the guy was not really willing to listen about what happened with her. We were all friends. Around 4th of July, he made a joke about how he's like a a firework Nazi. All in the same week. And I was like, okay, you're done too. It's just frustrating. It's within the vegan movement. And my friend had texted him and was like, that joke was anti-Semitic. That was wrong. I wasn't mm-hmm. around to hear that, but they were. And he was like, you've known me for like three years. We've shared a space. And the first thing you do is call me anti-Semitic. It was a whole thing. A lot of people are just not willing to listen, but it's like, this shit is serious. And when you're a child hearing this stuff, when you're just trying to be proud of your heritage, mm-hmm. it it can potentially be life-threatening and it almost was for me and I'm just glad I was able to come back from that point because it's something I'm really proud of and I love that about myself. When people get called out for being racist and just overall a piece of shit, when they (laughs) when they turn their apology and their addressing the situation as like this big like victim mentality situation I'm like okay so you didn't like learn anything like you didn't learn anything from this situation you made this about you when I was the victim you know like you hurt me and the people that I care about and my ancestors and all you need to do is just say like I apologize I'll do better I wasn't aware I'm ignorant I'm sorry you know And it's something so simple, but people's egos just don't allow them to just be decent fucking people. And I think that that's something that's really sad. But like on a more happier note, I guess, (laughs) I want to know like some vegan dishes that are, you know, that you've been able to recreate that are like Jewish traditional foods that you've been eating. Because I know you were making... Um, I think it was bread, some type of bread one time on Instagram live. And I was like, that looks so good. And <laughs> so are there any dishes that you would recommend that people can maybe make um, that are Jewish? Because I would love to do that. I was very excited about this question. Um, yes. I haven't made I love food. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I love cooking and baking. Yeah, I was making, it's called challah bread. It's braided bread that is traditionally made with eggs. It's kind of like soft pretzel-y. It's a similar, I, th- I think it's like kind of a similar recipe or like style of like bread, I suppose. So it's very eggy. I grew up not eating gluten. So when I would be at Chabad and they would have challah, I would have to sneak it. Um, <laughs> and then when I went vegan, I started eating gluten, but obviously I can't get traditional challah because it's all made with eggs. So I've made it a few times. I've made it for a few different holidays and different shapes. And it is like, I've made it gluten-free even. It is such a good flaky 
bread. I haven't perfected my vegan recipe for it yet, but when I do, it probably will be up on my Instagram. Okay. So I've made that. I've made um, Israeli salad, which is really simple. It's literally just like, I think it's tomato, red onion, green bell pepper, and cucumber. And then mm-hmm. you put like a little bit of olive oil and salt and pepper. And that was something that was always served at the table. Like Shabbos brunch, there would just be a whole table of like different foods. And that was one of them. I think the thing I'm most proud of that I've made was I made vegan uh, bagel and lox. And lox is smoked salmon, but I've learned how to make it with carrots. And then I just use like Kite Hill cream cheese. That's my favorite one. And I put some red onions and tomato and capers on it. And that is like my favorite thing. There's like more things I want to make. Like I was looking up, I'm not exactly sure how to describe it, but it's a dessert food. It's called babka. Mm -hmm. It's supposed to take really long to make and put together, but that I think I want to tackle and I definitely want to tackle maybe like a vegan white fish salad and oh these little cookies called rugalaf cookies. I tried making them for a friend gluten-free and they did not come out right but I want to try mm. it again. Um, they're really good. It's like a rolled cookie with like chocolate in it or like jams. It's it's mm. chef's kiss. So good. I can't wait to come to Portland also to come see you and Marika because <laughs> I just know we're going to make the most amazing food and so I want that bread I don't know why I think about it I was just telling Kayla about this I'm like I think about that bread Jenna was making on Instagram all the time in a weird way I want to try it so bad um just as like a closing question because I think that this is really important what do you think the vegan community as a whole can do to be better allies to Jewish people not just Jewish people like the entire population as a whole but also Jewish vegans what can Mm -hmm non-Jewish people do in and out of the community in order to make this a safer place for Jewish people and just be a better ally? Because I think that's something that we all should work on for sure. I think the first step is listening. Listening to the voices of Jewish people and Jewish vegans. Mm -hmm. Hearing what they have to say and if it conflicts with your own beliefs, sit with your beliefs and kind of figure out where they're coming from. It's really important to educate yourself, watch documentaries, watch films and movies, read books, follow Jewish people and Jewish vegans on social media. Don't ask them to do your, your research and give you a free emotional labor right. because I will, I will send you my, my Venmo, PayPal, and Cash App link. Um, <laughs> and I have done that before. Perfect. But educate yourself. Um, after you educate yourself, not if, when you hear or see someone being anti-Semitic, stand up for Jewish people, whether they're there or not. Fight anti-Semitism, encourage other people in your circle to do that. If you see a Jewish person get ganged up against in real life, in the comments, um, online, stand by them, stand with them and fight that anti-Semitism because I so often just only see mostly Jewish people speaking up about anti-Semitism for 2% of the United States population and even less for the world. We can't, we can't fight our own oppression just like any other marginalized group. We need allies. I think those are all really good things that we can do and I hope people really listen to what you're saying and just gloss (laughs) over that because I think that that's one of the most important questions. What can we do to be better? And also you mentioned following more Jewish people. So I wanted to see if you knew any Jewish vegans that we should be following or maybe just Jewish people in general that we should be following. Perfect. I got a few Jewish vegans. Four accounts are on Instagram and one is on TikTok. So the first one is Satanosaurus, like Satan. 
Satan. She's really, really cool. Love what they have to say. Um, a lot of educational posts on anti-Semitism and a lot of stuff about veganism as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the next account is Nicole.Kaufman, N-I-C-O-L-E dot K-O-F-M-A-N. Same type of content. Really love that. And then there's um, Melanie M. Roth, M-E-L-A-N-I-E, M-R-O-T-H. Um, mm-hmm. Same as well. She's also, I believe, a vegan um, and Jewish. And then the next account, kind of like a general um, account, it's at Dear Non-Jews. Um, I recently found their account. They made a post about uh, when people say that they would punch a Nazi, which by the way, again, <laughs> James Aspie is walking free. Somebody punched this man. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then on TikTok, I recently found her after I made that TikTok, but um, her at is sexy scapegoat. Um, I really love what she has to post. She is unapologetic with her activism for the Jewish community. Her bio says it all. It's like, once I discovered anti-Semitic TikToks, I, I only make I only make Jewish TikToks now. No, oh, <laughs> I love your TikTok, by the way, which I, <laughs> I, I put in the um, intro of this podcast because your TikTok is my favorite. And as soon <laughs> as I open my TikTok, every single time you are the first person that pops up and I'm like, hey, that's my beach. There was a, um, there, I'm trying to find them, found it. Okay. There is another Jewish vegan that I've been talking to, Rollercoaster Vegan on Instagram. And I've been learning about learning so much from them they are posting like a lot of vegan food but also they are jewish so i definitely recommend people follow them thank you for all of those recommendations thank you for being my very first interview and i just want to say thank you for coming on here and doing this emotional labor for my podcast and i hope people learn from you and do you have anything else that you want to say before we end this Just thank you so much for having me. I am very, very honored and so excited that you allowed me to have the opportunity to share how I've been feeling. If anything, it doesn't really feel like emotional labor. It feels like a weight off my chest because these feelings have been sitting very heavy on me. And like I said before, having so many people not listen to you, it feels Mm -hmm. so good that I feel like Jewish people are starting to be given the mic a little bit. And I really appreciate you allowing me to step on your platform to do that it, it, i'm so grateful i appreciate you for coming and also what is your venmo and cash up for people who want to support you financially because that is important and you guys should be giving a dollar five dollars ten dollars ten dollars a hundred dollars to jenna and so what is that so people can donate to you Stop, that would be so cool. My birthday is in like a few weeks and all I want to get are the Avatar The Last Airbender comics and they're so expensive. So oh, that would be great. I believe my Venmo and my Cash App are the same as my Instagram handle. So okay. Jenna Earth. But if you can't find it, DM me on Instagram. I'll gladly give it to you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, perfect. Thank you so much for coming on and I appreciate it. And I hope you have a good rest of your night. Thanks, you too. I'll talk to you yes. later, Tyra. Okay, bye. Bye, thanks.